It's like we're just, you know, well, why is this happening to me? Well, why? Who else should it happen to? But the folks that can stand up and walk through it. These are our days. I'm glad Isaiah had his days, but these are ours. I'm glad Moses did what he did and Joshua and Caleb, but these are our days. And they were there as an example for us. But guess what? When we get to heaven, we're going to run over to Moses and say, man, tell me about what it was like coming across the Red Sea. And he'll say, actually, I'm Charlton Heston, but Moses is right over there. (laughs) But before you go, (laughs) I missed that last bit. Tell me what that was like. They're going to want to know what it was like to be filled with the Spirit of God. To have the anointing of God that Pastor Earl preached so well about yesterday. They're going to want to know what that was like. Because some of them had little touches of it. But it's all we know. So much so that I think sometimes we take it for granted. So in the last days, perilous times, let me, let me just, I know you know this, but I'm just going to, as a refresher, just prove to you real quick that we are in those perilous times, and these are the last days. In Acts 2, verse 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, verse 17, quote, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. So now he's saying, what you're seeing now, the day the church was born, is what Joel said would be the last days. So we've been in the last days since the day the church was born, and we'll be in the last days until the day the church is raptured, and then we'll start another dispensation called the Great Tribulation. So these are the last days, but look at what's going to be the, 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 the earmark of those days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and maid servants, uh, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Notice he says prophesy twice in that little run of, of scriptures. And we know from Revelation 19.10 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So God's remedy and answer for the perilous times in which we live is calling those things which be not as though they were. To speak life into death, to speak light into darkness, and speak hope into hopelessness. We just heard that a minute ago. And why it is that that's the hardest thing to do sometimes, isn't it? Because we know that's the truth. And we know we are blessed. And we know we are called. And we know we are loved. And then we suddenly think that the diagnosis is the defeat. Suddenly we think that the storm clouds on the horizon are proof that God's not with us. No, sir. No. No, even when the storm is on top of us, even when the diagnosis comes, even when they say there's no hope, no matter what the the, the words are coming against us, we speak God's truth against that. 
We're not trying to be ugly, but that lie ain't landing over here. I don't want to hurt your feelings and all, but, but I'm going to reject that out of hand and tell you that I'm going to live and not die and be strong in the Lord and see the goodness of God all the days of my life. And it's not me because I'm that guy that, that, um, that was talked about this morning. Pastor Bob talked about the nobody. So I'm not telling you this because I'm something special, because I'm not something special. Particularly in a room like this, I'm the least of these, but I know something about my daddy. I know how I feel about my little baby granddaughter and, and my grandsons. They're just a little dirtier and snottier than she is. I still love them, but you know, you need a, a, a wet wipe handy when you start hugging on them. But I know how I feel about my children and my grandchildren. And I know that God is so much better than me. And so much more attentive to me. And yes, we have to walk through some stuff, but we walk through some stuff. So let's go to real quick, and you can turn there if you want. We're not going to read all of this, but Ezekiel 37. We're talking about prophesying. The testimony of Jesus. Speaking Jesus. The hand of the Lord came upon me, verse 1, Ezekiel 37, and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. And there he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And again he said to me, prophesy to the bones. You know, there's people that say that the the prophecy in Isaiah 66 about uh, uh, can a nation be born in a day. People were saying that that can't mean Israel. That's not what that means. That's not a fulfillment of anything. But those men wrote those things long before 1948. They couldn't imagine that a, a nation could be nothing for over a thousand years and then come back together with its culture and language intact. Prophesy to the dead bones. But see, we know that, that even though that might have one specific meaning... We can, we can receive that in our own lives. We can see that if you can speak life and you can have faith and you can let God's word be what's important, then you're going to get those kind of results. Prophesy to the bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Who is the word of the Lord? I know this is Ezekiel 37. I know it's a long ways before Bethlehem's manger, but we're talking about Jesus. And Ezekiel is speaking Jesus over this situation that he's facing. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. I love this. Speak to the mountain. We learned this from somebody down the road. I sure can't. I can't. 
quite remember who it was. Walk into a hospital room and I've done it and say, what's going on? Well, we're believing. Good. What else? Well, we're praying. Sweet. What else? Well, we're reading the word. Has anybody thought to speak to it? Well, you know, the relatives over here, they're not quite, you know, there yet. So we're just, we haven't. Oh, excuse me, I'm, I'm Pastor Ken. Could you, could you just wait in the hall for a few minutes? We're getting ready to speak to this cancer right now. And I don't want you to be unsettled or anything. But we're going to speak to it. We've already spoken to God about it. Now we're just going to go ahead and do what the Word says and speak to it. Well, that just seems so, you know. Yeah, I know. I know how it seems to some people. And I know how it feels when you walk into a cold, sterile environment and suddenly you feel like you're raising the dead before you even get to that part. But that's okay. That's all right. So he spoke to the bones. And says this, verse 4, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, put breath in you. A second time he says breath, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and skin covered them over, but there was no breath. Well, see, I told you this just wasn't going to work. This was just a shot in the dark anyway, right? Well, God had said, you know, there was going to be breath twice, and there's no breath. So, you know, we could probably still get a reservation down at the restaurant. Do you understand that the disappointment that we face in life has stolen more dreams and killed more promises than anything else because we give up too soon. Because we live in this world where we don't have to wait for anything. I mean, I detest the things Amazon stands for, but I buy stuff from them because I'll get it tomorrow. And I don't want to wait because I'm a busy guy. It's, it's nonsensical. Well, if God said it and it didn't happen, then I don't know what to do with that. Well, do it again. Where are you going? Don't run off. He ain't done. He's just getting started. Sometimes he's trying to teach us something in the midst of that. So there was no breath. Verse 9. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. 
and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Listen to me. That dream that you thought was dead, you need to speak to it. That thing God told you in the midnight hour years ago and you have just thought that you are past that and you messed up too many times and you didn't really do what you felt like you should have done to bring it about and he's telling you tonight it wasn't ever about what you were doing. It was about saying yes and we're going to get to that in a minute and Pastor Earl called it yesterday showing up. But it's the same thing. It's amazing to see what God does when we say yes. Does that mean that he loves somebody more who says yes? Not at all. Does that person have more of the things of God than somebody that doesn't say yes? Absolutely not. That person just knows that if you say yes, you get to be part of something that you never could be a part of if you didn't say yes. And you're here anyway. You're going to be here till you're gone. So why not say yes? What else are you going to do? Right? You've got to go through this anyhow. Might as well say yes a few times and see what happens. All right, let's push into this just a little bit more. Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. So if you want to go there with me, that's great. You can just write it down if you'd like, and you can just listen if you want to. Let's go to verse 27 here in Numbers 13. You know the story. They've been out for 40 days spying out the promised land. And, and, you know, they hadn't been gone from Egypt too long at this point. They're, they're getting there. It's been weeks, maybe, maybe month or two, whatever, but they're already in Canaan, and now they're about to have a look around and go take it. Well, we all know it doesn't quite go down like that, but that was the opportunity. And what we're going to see here in a moment, two out of the 12 said, and 10 said, and the ten swung a nation. Now, I tell you, I, gotta, I, I do want to talk to Caleb and Joshua when I get to heaven because the fact that, that they didn't hurt people. <laughs> can you imagine that? Having to look at those people every day and just think. <laughs> so let's go to the Word. Then they told him and said, They're reporting back to Moses now, verse 27. We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Remember, they they took a cluster of grapes, and they had it on a pole between two guys. That's how big it was, and some other things they had. So it's true. What you said is true. Nevertheless, wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. They thought they were there to wrestle. They thought they were there to have a weightlifting competition or something. They're strong. Their cities are fortified. They're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Parasites are in there somewhere. The Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. And he acted like he didn't hear none of it because you know what? He probably didn't. When you're in an environment of unbelief, the best thing you can do is just close down behind your shield of faith. You don't need to hear that stuff. You just start telling yourself what the Word says. I remember when this young man here was born, um, they, everything seemed fine. Birth went great. And then the next day, I went, ran home to get some clothes for my wife, Eve, and, and to, 
to come back, and she calls me while I was at the house, and she's hysterical, and she said, they're keeping the baby. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, they, there's something wrong with his heart. I said, all right, well, I'll be right there. So we went, we went up there, and they said, yeah, they detected a slight murmur and this and that, and they're going to keep him overnight. Well, you know, he'd been with her for nine months. That's a hard thing to do, to leave that baby in the hospital. And so we go home, and I was, man, I, I was confessing Psalm 112. I, you know, I'm not afraid of evil tidings. My heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. I was just believing God. And we just prayed all night, and we just knew we were going to have a good report the next morning. We get there, and we walk in, and uh, there's a cardiologist with the baby already. And they, they, he looked at me, and he said, listen, we've been monitoring him all night long, and it's worse than we thought. So they ordered an echocardiogram, which is just like a little video of his heart. And um, we hung around. And, and so we go into this little side room, and, of course, we just start praying. And, and at, you know, by that time, obviously, she was checked out the day before. So they roll him in on this little metal table, and we're in the sterile environment, and we just start praying. And all of a sudden, after, you know, 15, 20 minutes, it just seemed like I couldn't even see her across the room from me, from here to where Bob is. It's just like the, the glory of God just filled that room. And I just laid my hands on him, declared his healing, and I said, he's healed. But before that happened, you, none of you have never done this, but I, in, inside of me I said, Lord, why is this happening to me? I'm on fire for God for the first time in my life. I've never been in this place ever. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost now. Why is this happening? None of you have ever done this, so let me just tell you how it went down. <laughs> he said, that's why. <laughs> what are you crying about? <laughs> this, is a, this is a moment that is going to set your life and that of your son and that of your wife and your family. So then... We pressed in, and then the glory fell, and then the Holy Spirit said he's healed. So they came in, did the little echocardiogram. We had peace for the first time. We left. They were going to come back later and read the results and whatnot, and so we went and ran some errands, picked up our daughter, who was three at the time. Her and her husband are pastoring a church in Bakersfield, California right now with their four sons. Um... And we walk in, and that same cardiologist, standing over the same table, turns around the same way, and he said, I can't find anything wrong with him. See, we are born for this moment. The diagnosis, the attack, the prognosis, the forecast... The bloviators, they don't know nothing. We know what God says. And the other theme running through this conference thus far, which just excites my heart, is the word. We love the Holy Ghost. We love worship. We love all of that. But man, I tell you, the one thing I'm so thankful for is when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, God dropped a hunger for the word on me. And it's been my life's passion. One of these days, I'll know it as good as Pastor Greg does, but 
You can't have everything, you know. Not all at once, anyway. So let's go on here. Caleb quieted the people and said, let's go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able against these people. They are stronger than we. See, this is what we do. We start measuring ourselves against the thing that's coming against us, and we feel outmatched. And sometimes it's because we're, we're talking to too many people about it who have never won a battle like you're about to win. And some people, you just don't need their input. You don't need to tell everybody everything. You need to not get on Facebook and just blab everything because then you're going to get, you know, 2,500 opinions and all of them are unbelief probably. So now... Let's drop down to to Numbers 14, um, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried that night and wept all night long. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and they voted them out and they were looking for another leader to take them back to bondage. When God delivered me, there was somebody... There was a situation he delivered me from, and some people that were involved in that situation told me, you can always come back. Isn't that just like the devil? You can always come back. I said, don't you wait on that day. Because that day ain't coming. See, here's the thing. You have the ability to make a decision. I heard uh, Brother Copeland say that. 30 years ago, and man, it jumped in me. Make a decision. God will honor a a quality decision. Make a decision. It's got to start somewhere. You know what needs to change. So they wept all night. Here they are wanting to go back to bondage. They're, you know, bemoaning all this. And then, verse 5, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly, and, and the congregation. Verse 6. But. Don't you love a big but in the Bible? <laughs> but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, then. Somebody say then. I call this being between a maybe and a miracle. If the Lord delights in us, then we'll take the land. The unspoken side of that equation is, maybe we won't. We might die doing this. You see it also with Jonathan and his armor bearer. He says, maybe the Lord will be with us. And we can go up against this host. What he didn't say is, maybe he won't, but we ain't dying here, hiding. We're the ones on the offensive, not the devil. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Friends, some of us are weary and frail and anemic because we hadn't had a good old-fashioned spiritual stance in a long time. 
Our strength is in the struggle. Our bread is in the battle. They are our bread. We are built for this. We are built to intercede. We are built to seek God. We are built to wait on the Lord and to renew our strength. He said, they're our bread. We're not here to play basketball. I don't care how tall they are. Don't matter. And then all the congregation said, yes. (laughs) No, they wanted to stone them. (laughs) You've been to that church, I'm sure. But watch this. Verse 10 now. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. I like the ESV in that verse. It says, then all the congregation says to stone them with stones, but the glory of the Lord. I want to get some of that, but the glory anointing. It's like, Pastor Ken, it don't look like it's going to work, but the glory. It just don't look like this is going to be good, but the glory. There's no way you're going to be able to do this, but the glory. We got to, we got to know that, right? I want to live in that place. And it's not always comfortable. You don't get a printout saying, okay, now. You get a promise. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. What can come against you that he can't, that he's not over, already overcome? So now. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. Remember I said I was building some ideas here. I'm not done yet. You know, there have been times when I preached at this church back in 2009, 2010, whatever, in those years there, that I remember one time we stayed in somebody's guest house, pitch black out in the country. I didn't know where I was. I wasn't living in the country then in those days. We flew in from California, and then we drove out into the dark night, and we were in this little house, you know, somewhere. And I remember I just struggled all night long to figure out what to preach. And I mean, I don't think I probably slept an hour or two that night. I just couldn't get settled, you know, because when you pastor a church, you got a, a 10,000 sermons you could preach. And the one that you got on the plane thinking you were going to preach, then you felt like, well, no, I don't, I don't think that's it. And really, all that is about is you. All that's really about is I want to look good in front of all these strange people. (laughs) I probably didn't think that part, but that's for effect. Has anybody ever been there? So worried about how we look, how we're perceived, how we sound. And I'm telling you, there's something that the Holy Ghost is breaking off of me in that regard. And I'm not there yet. But I'm telling you, I'm going someplace in that, in that vein. Amen. 
you know, I, I don't know who, who in here can relate, but I'm a bit of a doer where God is concerned. My wife would probably say that I'm not much of a doer in other ways. <laughs> I do mow the grass and I feed the cows and I, you know, she's actually feeding the cows this week. So she's, she's going to be ready for me to get home, that's for sure. I don't want to be that person. I want to be able to just relax and let God use me clearly instead of me worrying about all this stuff that that the world and the devil and ourselves have piled on us. Listen to what Paul says. You know, they say, and I don't know if Pastor Greg could probably verify this, but Paul had the equivalent of a PhD probably in his early 20s. He's one of the most learned people that we read about. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, this conference is unique, and maybe you don't have a full appreciation of that because this is your church. But there's conferences that you go, go to that will teach you how to write a worship song. Yeah. It'll teach you how to write a sermon and communicate the gospel. Um, Maybe there's a place for that. But my thing is, it's like teaching somebody to do something who's not in love. We just become tacticians and people that are technically doing something. It's like AI almost. We learn the formula. We write some rhymes. We put a progressive beat to it and suddenly you got a worship song. Three points in a poem, you know, and you got a sermon. For Christianettes who like sermonettes who run outside and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we're just so formulaic. It's unbelievable. But here's the most learned guy that we even know. And he says, I'm divesting myself of all this stuff. And I just want to tell you about Jesus. John 5 says all the scriptures testify of him. He's the center of everything. I know we like to think it's about us, but it's really not. It's about him. The good news for us is we're in him, and he's in us, and we'll never not be in him. He plays for keeps. Boy, aren't you glad of that? Which means why live like hell when you don't have to? I, this, this just has wrecked me over the last few days because here's a guy. And look, if you're, you're, if you're a wizard of speech and words and language and stuff like your pastor is, that's not bad. I'm not saying that's bad. He, he can't be any other way. 
But you know, you know what his focus is, which is Jesus. He's not trying to dazzle you. He's the most unassuming guy I've ever known in ministry. That's what I always used to love about him. He comes off like Huckleberry, you know. (laughs) And he's the smartest guy in the room. And he knows that. He's a sharp one right there. (laughs) You know, you just have to spend a few minutes with him. I call him almost every Monday and I'll keep him on the phone for an hour just asking him questions, talking about stuff. I want to to get in there, you know. I want to get in that, that head of his and that heart of his where he's got all this stuff stored. And, uh, but do you know it's not about it's not about all that stuff. It's about Jesus. It's like when's the last time you just sat in his presence and didn't say anything for 15 minutes or 20 minutes? You know, I'm married to a woman, and so it's hard to get a word in sometimes. Well, she's she's different, you know. I mean, she can she usually runs 10, 12,000 a day with gust up to 20. But she, she's got some self-awareness, you know, because she'll catch herself and she'll say, I'm talking a lot, aren't I? <laughs> well, since you ask, <laughs> that, that's the trick. You can't offer that information. But if she asks, then it's like, well, yeah, yeah, a little bit. But I get it. I mean, I've been gone all day, so I, it's all right. Let's talk. But, but I find that I talk over Jesus a lot. I'm the kind of guy that, you know, gets on an elevator and looks at my shoes. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to talk to anybody in the elevator. I'm an introvert. So I'll just stand there and pray that nobody comes on the elevator. I can pretend not to be if, I, if you know, if I need to. I don't want to be rude to people, but I'd just rather not. But I find in my prayer time what I'll do is I'll refuse to be quiet. And I'll, I'll read the word or I'll just mutter a prayer. I'll pray in tongues. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But I can't imagine me going through a day not letting my wife talk to me. Not giving her that opportunity. And I'm just challenging myself to listen. To wait. I'm in a season of my life where I need to hear God speak. And how many of you know there's tons of opportunities to go too fast, to get out ahead, you know, and not that any of these things are going to kill you necessarily, but it's just going to slow you down. They could kill you, depends on what it is. So let's look at Jesus here for a minute in Luke 4, 18 and 19. We're talking about, remember now, people who say yes. We saw Ezekiel said yes, great things happened. We saw the two spies said yes. Not so much good happened for 40 years or so, 45 years, but it turned out for them. And guess what? When they got into the promised land, here Caleb is 85 years old. And, you know, Joshua's doing his thing, and he's doling out the land, and then Caleb's like, hey, dude, we got to talk. What's going on, old man? What's happening? He's like, I want my land. 
He's like, well, you know, you're 85 now and there's giants up there. Well, that just means those giants are going to be living somewhere else pretty soon. They're about to get evicted one way or the other. And he said that his strength was as it was when he was 40 for going in and coming, going out and coming in and for war. Don't ever get to the place where you say, man, I'm just worn out. I shouldn't have to stand and believe God for miracles anymore. Not until you get to heaven. This isn't something that we achieve to a certain level, like the U.S. military. You get to a certain level, and you don't, you don't pull triggers no more. You don't kick doors no more. Unless you're in the Army, and then you can do that. And the Navy. It's the Marine Corps that won't let you do it after E7. So when my young son wanted to be like his daddy and join the Marines, I said, join the Army. Sounds sacrilegious, but it's... Do you want to do what you want to do? I jumped out of airplanes with the army, so I knew they knew what they were doing there. And he's like, I'm not joining the army. We're a Marine family. So I drove him to Phoenix, and we sat down with my former roommate for six years and retired first sergeant, seven combat tours. And he, I said, ask him. I didn't prep him. I didn't talk to him. He said, well, if you were enlisting today, what would you do? He said, I'd join the army. I could say today, unless something changes, none of my nine grandkids will ever serve in the military. And that's a sad thing to say. But at that point, that's what I was telling them. And guess what he did? He dropped out of college, ROTC, came home, and enlisted in the Marines because he didn't want to miss the war. What he didn't count on was a praying mama. So he enlisted. He missed the war. They stationed him 60 miles from home, and he was home every weekend to do worship. (laughs) But they did pay for his college education, and he's on his second house with the VA loan, and things are good. But here's the thing. Those who say yes get a whole different track than those who don't. And you are here to live life to the full. And not just for you, by the way. There's a lot of people watching you. And when you step up to these things that would kill most people and make most people quit, and you don't, and you see God move, and they see God move, now they want to know, how do I get there? How does that work for me? Well, same way it works for me. And for you. Here's Jesus, Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he said yes. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And guess what he did I mean, can you imagine, like, sometimes we're in church late or, or, you know, we're traveling or whatever, and I just take, I take a day off. I feel like I'm tired, man. I need some rest. Jesus was up early in the presence of God, 
Probably every day. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying legalistically, you gotta, you gotta do this for any other reason than to do it keeps you in tune. Like it's a commitment. It's a commitment because you're trying to get somewhere that you're not yet. You're already a son of God, a daughter of God. That's never going to change for you. But now saying yes is a different thing. So Jesus is like walking this out just the way we do. He's on earth as a man navigating life with the Holy Ghost needing to hear from God. Psalm 63, 1 and 2, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. You know, again, I'm not trying to be a jerk and I'm not trying to, 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 to point anybody out. I'm saying, statistically, most Christians never read their Bible. And again, I'm not saying reading the Bible is, is doing something that's going to cause God to be, you know, give you something or reward you. Reading the Word is, is that love letter. It focuses you back to the truth and the promises that you need to remember because everything in this world is coming against us. So habitually engaging the Word. So however that looks for you, you say, well, I've got to get up early and go to work. Well, then you've got to back into that thing by going to bed early, turning off Ted Lasso, and getting up earlier. You say, that sucks. It does. Especially if you like to sleep as much as I do. But the benefit is way better. So... Pick a, pick a segment of time. One hour. I'm going to wait on God for 20 minutes. I'm going to read the word for 20 minutes. And I'm going to pray in tongues for 20 minutes. That, that's an hour, right? I might live in Arkansas, but I'm, I was raised in Mississippi. So you got you to gotta work with me. I tell people I was, I was raised on the mission field. If you're from Mississippi, hey, I love you. Been there and done that, so I get it. But, but what I'm saying is this. If, if you'll say yes to his wooing, his, he's wooing your heart. Just say yes. But make sure that some of that time is spent just listening and have a little notebook or something. You know, just, he's, he's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. I want to know what those things are. Those are important things of life. Early will I seek you. My, my soul thirsts for you. And it could be early in your afternoon. You know, I'm not saying you got to get up at four if you're just not a morning person or maybe you work nights or whatever. I'm just saying early in the life cycle of a problem. How about that one? Seek God. Early. As soon as that thing starts rolling in, the wind starts blowing of that thing and the, the lightning starts flashing, then I'm going to start seeking God about it. I'm not going to wait till it's on top of me. I, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. There's a verse on down, and I think it's number 
5 or 6 or 8. In the King James, he says, my soul follows hard after thee. My soul follows hard after thee. I remember as a little kid, three, four, I remember it. My grandpa would would tell my mom to tell me he was coming to get me. I'd go out in the yard. Because I knew he was coming. I knew he was coming. Because he said he would. Friend, if you seek God, he's showing up. He's manifesting. He's there anyway, but he's going to manifest to you if you'll seek him. If you'll let him. All right, we're going to bring this thing into a close, okay? John 16, 7 through 15. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. We're talking about Jesus. He's the message. Jesus is the message. We talk about Jesus a lot, and then somebody once asked me at the church, well, when are you going to talk about something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> something else. <laughs> I said, well, I reckon after we've talked all we can about this, we haven't even scratched the surface yet. But the way people think, it's like, okay, I got it, I got it. Let's move on to something else. They ain't moving on from Jesus. He's the message. And I'll prove it right here. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away to these people that he lived with. Because if I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. And he will, uh, and of righteousness and of judgment. Now watch this. Of sin because they, say they, they, do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you, say me. See me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So he convicts the world of sin. He convicts you of righteousness. And the devil of judgment. Do you know why he convicts you of righteousness? Because when you sin, you know you sin. But you forget that you're righteous. And the devil will lie to you that you're not who you are. When I used to drop my kids off at public school in California, I would tell them, don't forget who you are today. Because I don't want to have to come down here and remind you. God's saying, don't forget who you are. Don't believe the lies of that devil. You're mine. You are right. Your righteousness is of me, says the Lord. This isn't something you could earn. This is a gift that I gave you. And you couldn't even believe right, so I had to become a man and do it for you. So when you slip and fall once in a while, I need to remind you, I love you. Your righteousness is of me don't forget that don't let the devil rob you from who you are 
Why do you think there's an identity crisis in America today? Go back and read Genesis. He made them male and female. I think it was Pastor Earl talked about this a little bit. And gave them dominion. If he can rip you off about who you really are, he can take your dominion. So Jesus says, okay. And then in verse 12, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of God, comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. Okay? So who is all truth? Jesus. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Pastor Bob talked about that today. People saying, well, the Holy Ghost told me. Well, if it ain't in the Word, he didn't tell you. Because he's not coming up with stuff on his own. He's not going to speak on his own. There's this perfect submission in the Godhead. Jesus said, I don't do anything I don't see my Father do. I don't say anything I don't hear him say. And then the Holy Ghost says, I don't talk about myself. I'm taking of what is Jesus and declaring to you. Whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, which is the word, and declare it to you. All things that the Father have are mine. Therefore, I said he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Now, i got some closing thoughts. And this is what we're going to do because I'm, I'm, on, I'm on time for what I want to do. But we're going to spend a little time at the end here. And you're, you're on time, okay? You'll get out early. So don't be tripping. Because we're going to seek the Lord a little bit tonight. But let me, t- let me give you a couple of closing thoughts. Abraham went up Mount Moriah with Isaac. Because he heard God speak. How many Isaacs have died... Because somebody heard God speak, but didn't hear him speaking. Well, God said, do this, so I'm doing this till the wheels fall off. Well, back there a few miles, he said, turn left. See, he he doesn't just speak. My wife gets it somewhere. He's speaking. Abraham heard him speak. And as his knife was hoisted in the air, he heard him speaking. It's very important. And again, I'm a big believer in read the word till you hear him speak. I'm not saying that's not part of this. But sometimes you just got to quiet it, quiet your heart. And it's something we have to learn. What, I mean, that's what these, this is about. This is not about you being able to text your best friend or figure out, you know, where your kids are. This is about distraction. Think about the generation born in the early 1900s. I mean, those, their life was hardship. My grandpa was nine when, the, when World War I started. He was 21 when the Great Depression started. So from 21 to 31, he was farming cotton that he couldn't even, wasn't even worth planting because you couldn't make any money on it on land he didn't own. 
You ever seen those old pictures of those people and they're just standing there like this? You're like, man, they couldn't smile. They, they, they were hard people and there weren't a lot to smile about. You look at those pictures like, man, these people, look, I'm related to these people. 33 when World War I, or World War II started. A few years later, Korea, Vietnam. Yeah, he wasn't in those because he missed the age on all of them, but there weren't internet in those days. So the world, the country was inundated with this stuff. We need to hear God speak. Perilous times are here. And guess what? For you and I, things are going to keep getting better. So don't don't think this is a negativity thing. We're going to walk through difficulty. But for us, the Bible says even when it was so dark in Egypt that the Egyptians wouldn't even move around their homes and they were losing their firstborn, the Bible says there was light in the land of Goshen. Friend, these are our days. And we need to hear God speak like never before. And we need to divest ourselves of needing to be somebody other than just spokespersons for Him. So, I would suggest instead of pressing into leadership at Lake Church, press into Jesus. You'll find your place in leadership. So let's take a few minutes. We got 16 minutes. If you want to come up here and kneel, you want to come up here, I'm going to be up here agreeing with you. And my first question before you do it, or you can sit where you are. We're going to worship a little bit and just have a time of waiting on the Lord. But listen to me now. My question is, What is God saying for you? What's he saying? You say, well, he he don't say much to me. Oh, yes, he does. Well, I'm too old. No, you're not. Remember what I said about Caleb a minute ago? You ain't ain't that old. And if you are, he still ain't done with you yet. Because we could talk about Sarah and Abraham. This woman was in her, you know, senior years and Pharaoh's wanting her in his harem. He ain't done with you yet. So my question is, what is God saying? And here's my second question. Will you say yes? So let's worship. Let's open the altar. If you need healing... If you need some kind of other breakthrough, I'll be happy to pray for you. I'll be happy to stand with you. But if you want to come up and kneel, that's great. Especially if the devil's telling you not to, then that's when you need to.
uh, Pastor Greg and Karen, I just feel like I have a word for you. Stand up. So I feel like God is speaking to you too, that you're about to enter a season of fruitfulness like you've never experienced. And, um, and things that you've been concerned about are falling by the wayside. Not that there's not going to be other things to contend with. But I see a, a maturity of fruitfulness blooming in this house. And the verse is this in Isaiah 45, 11. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the works of my hands you command me God's inviting us to invite him into those places where only he can only he can lead only he can direct so father in the name of Jesus Lord we thank you for your goodness and grace over these two I thank you for robust health and uh, vision, Lord, I thank you for a season that uh, their leadership is going to be so critical, not just for this church, but for the body of Christ and for this community and this region. So we give you the praise tonight. Lord, thank you for what you've started here. Thank you for the things that have been ministered and said. And thank you for what's going to continue to happen through this week. We give you the praise tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's give the Lord a shout. Okay, so here's my challenge to you. Write it down. And decide if you're going to say yes or not. And let me just say this. If you can do it on your own, it might not be God. You'll know. The Holy Ghost is speaking to you. But I, I'm just going to challenge you to sit with Him every day for some amount of time every day and just invite him into those spaces because we're in a time of unprecedented um, upheaval unprecedented situations in our country that we never thought we'd have to face here but he's not surprised and he's not caught off guard he loves us completely without any condition his love is without condition much more I could say but I could get myself in trouble and I'm not going to go over they say blessed is the short winded for he shall be invited back <laughs> God bless you thank you Pastor Greg thank you Lord hallelujah you know many times when we go through times of trial and times of distress and times of tribulation People are looking for shortcuts. They're looking for a formula. They're looking for one plus one equals this or two plus two equals this. And uh, many times people will approach me and they'll say, you know, because they know what I've been through and what the Lord has brought me through. They'll ask me questions. What was the secret? You know, they just want to know the secret, you know. And uh, I just tell them exactly what was preached here tonight. A passionate love affair with Jesus. 
It's when I got rid of my, you know, my machismo and began to pursue the Lord in a love relationship that made me uncomfortable, if you want to get right down to it. It made me uncomfortable and challenged my masculinity. But I will tell you this, it's the only way to live. I started singing songs to him, writing letters to him. I started shouting unto him. I started praising him. Praise God. He is the lover of my soul. And as I began to just begin to allow him to, to do his intimate work within me, that's when things started changing in my life. Because you can confess the word and not know the word. Come on now. You can say the word and not love the word. Amen. Come on now, we want formulas, we want, you know, all this, ABC, we want all this stuff. But I'm here to tell you, it was about loving God. Amen? And as I began to seek Him, praise God, He began to be more to me. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. There's more of God than what you're presently experiencing. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. That's powerful stuff to us. Amen? Good stuff. Amen. Are we going to take the challenge? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. God wants to fill you up and overflowing and take you places you've never been. Amen. Do you believe that? I believe it, man. I know. I know. I've experienced it. I've been on the other side of this. It's a whole lot better than going through it, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't trade a day. Because every day I cried out to him, he answered me. He was there. Every time I cried and said, Lord, why, when, how? He didn't forsake me. He didn't turn his back on me. He kept walking with me. He said, son, press in. Just keep pressing in. Keep on pressing in. There's more for you. And the conforming character of Jesus was formed in my life. Amen. See, we don't need to, if the Bible says that we should rejoice in tests and trials because we know that it's going to work something in our life. Amen? It's going to work that wonderful endurance that we need to walk in this opposition that we find ourselves in. Amen? God wants to enlarge your capacity tonight. That's what he's saying. All through this conference up to this point, he's wanting to enlarge us. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'm saying yes. And I'm saying yes. There's new dimensions in God for your life. And they're right here today. This is a keros appointed time in which God is speaking to us and raising us up. Amen. I could go on and on. You've inspired me. Praise the Lord. Amen. But uh, we want to remind you that tomorrow night, Bob, uh, tomorrow morning, Bob Yandian will be with us. And it's been rich. It's been rich already. And uh, you'll be blessed. And then, and then tomorrow night, I don't know who's going to minister tomorrow night. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell you because you might not show up. But it's me. You might not, not, might not want to be here. But uh, we're going to have a good time. Amen. And then I want to encourage you, tomorrow night is Taco Tuesday. 
Now listen, if you can't show up for Taco Tuesday, something's wrong with your Christianity. Amen. So we're going to have Taco Tuesday tomorrow night. We love each and every one of you. God bless you. Hey, kiss. Well, not physically, but blow a kiss to your children's worker as you pick your children up because they are in need of encouragement. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Maybe throw them a fiver. Amen. Or Starbucks card or something. Just, you know. Amen. Praise the Lord. And Wednesday night, I'm excited. We're going to baptize some people. Amen. And then we're going to have Marvin Yoder. And I'm so excited about Marvin being with us. Amen. Hallelujah. So praise the Lord. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.